Well, hello. We've made it to another midweek Bible study where we're going through the Bible in the order in which it was written. We are now a podcast, as many of you have noticed over the last five weeks, thanks to Derek Glover doing all that hard work for us. So however you watch this or listen to this, if you would just give us a good rating um, and hit the bell if you're on YouTube and subscribe or however you can do it, it, it encourages us. We, we just like to know you're out there. This is going to be our last look at 2 Corinthians and then our first look at Romans and we're going to talk about why Romans had to be written right after this. 2 Corinthians has been hard. <clears throat> Paul's having to be very rough, but people are accusing him of many, many things. This is not unusual. Uh, I listen to podcasts on church history and I'll choose a different church, a denomination, or even a cult. And you notice that immediately, whoever gets things going really well, gets their knees chopped out by people who want to take control of it now that it's going very well, and they want to shove away the other guy. And they were trying to do that to Paul. And so in 2 Corinthians 13, he says, this will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's a direct quote from Deuteronomy 19, verse 15. It's also a legal quote to the Jews. So <clears throat> indicated to them, I'm coming back. And anything you say and anything we say will have to be backed up by witnesses. <clears throat> I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I'll repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who send earlier or any of the others, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. All right. There's going to be a confrontation. There's going to be a stare down. And it's not because these people, again, are singing the wrong songs or they're, they've got the Lord's Supper in the wrong order, or they're not taking it enough, or... No, no. It is attitudes of lies, mistreatment of others, a lack of love, and throwing around accusations. That's what's breaking not only the bond between Paul and Corinth, some in Corinth, but also shattering the church in Corinth. Please remember, they didn't have a church building to come to. The church in Corinth would have been meeting in many different places throughout Corinth. And so they would gather here or there as they could. When they knew that believers were down that street and we had to work on this street today, they'd go there. If they're working somewhere else and there are believers over there, they'll go there. And so it's easy when you have a, a group like this to have somebody wander in and said, have you heard the news about Paul? He's not an apostle. He, take a look at him. He's old, he's bent back, he has a hooked nose, he has a nasal voice. He's, he, this could not be the representative of Christ. So Paul's saying, all right, I'm gonna bring it. And I'm gonna bring it hard. It's gonna be difficult. He even warns them, he says, you keep calling me weak, but Christ was crucified in weakness, but he lives by God's power. You're to hear from that. Yeah, Paul has the appearance of being weak physically, and evidently his speaking voice was also rather high and nasally. But he says, um, remember that not everything that looks weak is. That's probably a pretty good rule to keep in your head. 
Therefore, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. You notice that this 2 Corinthians 13 is not at all like 1 Corinthians 13. Examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you failed the test. And I trust that you will discover we have not failed the test. <clears throat> Again, there are going to be a lot of issues that we don't have a clue about because they're not specifically addressed in the two letters of Paul we have to, to Corinth and we have none of their letters to him. But whatever this was, he's saying, put yourself to the test. If, you, if this makes you very nervous and you're wondering, what's, what's the test? Am I out of the faith? Please remember that Jesus said the sum of all the law is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And certainly those that were making accusations and dismissals of Paul were not loving him. And they were <clears throat> elevating themselves at the cost of Christ. Who are you elevating? Who are you talking about? Do you love God? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? Then you're good. Some in Corinth would not pass that test. He says, we, we're, we're coming. He said, we, we um, like verse 7, now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. In other words, you better be careful when we come at you how you react. Not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we seem to fail. What, what's that? He's saying, I, I seem to have failed to reach you. My work seems to have failed. Therefore, maybe it won't work, but we're coming in anyway. He goes, that's why I write these things when I'm absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority. Again, if you remember the last few chapters, they've been very, very critical of Paul because when he's with them, he's meek and kind and humble, but they say when he's away, he writes these harsh things. He's saying, I write the harsh things so that when I come, we don't have to do harsh things. We can just be brothers and sisters. So, in fact, he says, the authority God gave me was for building you up, not tearing you down. Let's take the right path here. And then the, the closing I find lovely. Uh, finally, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. He still calls them brothers and sisters. Even with all of this aggravation, isn't it interesting how quickly people excommunicate, disfellowship, withdraw, split, and how Paul manifestly refused to? Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage each other. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here send the greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What amazing way to end this. Showing once again Paul's character and his faith that is based upon the reality of Christ. As Christ is God's Son and God is the Father, then we are children of the Father through Christ. Which means Paul doesn't give a thought to not treating the Corinthians as brothers and sisters 
or saying you used to be but you're not anymore. Not even a thought. And he wishes them well and he wishes them peace and he wants them to have full you know, um, restoration and to be encouraged. This is um, a lesson we might need to learn from Paul and have that same attitude, which by the way, we're gonna find in the book of Romans, which he wrote in Corinth. And this is a really important thing to help you understand what the book of Romans is. Paul's done all this struggle and now he goes to Corinth. While he's at Corinth, he writes this letter to the Romans. Paul has found through his experiences with Corinth that there needs to be kind of a magnum treatise on what we believe and why we believe it. And he's talking again to mainly a Jewish audience. And you might be seeing there, Patrick, it doesn't say Jewish audience, it says Romans. Exactly. Who founded the church in Rome? It wasn't Peter. No, that, that was a myth brought up in the Middle Ages and dismissed shortly thereafter because the history is pretty, pretty plain that Peter didn't arrive in Rome until it was time for him to be crucified. The church there was already thriving. Paul didn't start it. Uh, so who did? There are guesses about that, but they're all just basically guesses and some are better than others. But most, most scientists, not scientists, sorry, scientists always think that way. Most historians believe it was actually a group, uh, a large group perhaps of Jewish believers that are worshiping in the synagogues, but now they are also speaking of Christ. And now this has developed into a church. And again, get out of your head, one central location for everybody to go to, or even three or four situations, uh, rather locations, uh, all having the same name outside that, uh, so you can identify that one's our brand. No, they didn't have places like that. They would build them, but not for a long time. They met in homes and some people's homes had very large courtyards and some people's homes had many rooms. And so you could, you could meet in several areas. Well, as they're meeting, Paul realizes, I need to write something to them to make sure they don't turn into Corinth and to make sure that Patrick doesn't turn into a Corinthian leader. And please remember, we brought this up when we were going through Revelation and through uh, our study of 1 Corinthians, that there was even an expression in the first few centuries also the first century BC, that if somebody was out of control, acting like a wild, savage, like a sociopath, I guess, almost not caring for anybody else's feelings or for, you know, they never read the room. They were acting like a Corinthian. Paul's saying, we gotta, here we go. Here's what we believe. So now we enter the grand book of Romans. Martin Luther used to say um, that if he only had the book of Romans, he could get to heaven. And I think he's right, I, I am, but I'm so glad we've got the other books. Um, it's one of those little fun things you can do on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you're, you're communicating. You know, some of you, you know, Neanderthals are actually talking face to face. I have no idea how that works. Um, you, it's a fun thing to do a version of Desert Island Disc. Desert Island Disc was a program for decades and decades and decades in the uh, BBC radio. And they had versions of it over here, that if you're on a desert island and you could only take, and generally there were three, 
that you could take? What three albums would you take? Well, now that I've got you completely distracted, if you were on a desert island and you couldn't have the whole Bible, what three books would you take? Well, I find immediately I say John, the Gospel of John, the Book of Romans, and I'll get back to you on number three. <laughs> number three just keeps moving around. Here we go. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The word servant there is somewhere between servant and slave. And so in some old translations, it will say slave. Kinda. This was the sort of slave that entered voluntarily. Um, later in the Old Testament, if you remember when a, a servant was done with their term of service, they could stay in the house and keep serving. And you might say, why? because that's a job, it's a protection, it's a place in society, therefore you have rights, you're not out in the wilderness, you have no other options, this is, this is amazing, this is where you want to be. For those of you that watched Downton Abbey, when it was a big thing several years back, you saw that when people were, you know, there was a horrible job doing all that service stuff, but when they thought they might lose it, panic, distress came in because you, there's nowhere to go and you will literally starve to death or work in the poor houses, which was almost as bad as starving to death. But if you wanted to keep there, you would put your ear up against a post and they'd put a hole in it. Um, and that showed I'm here, but I'm here because I chose to be here forever. And if anybody, you wanted to go get another job and they saw this, they'd say, wait a minute, you dedicated yourself too. Paul has dedicated himself to, to God on purpose got his ears pierced, he's ready. That means he can't leave. Those people, um, when the draft ended, and you'll hear people talk about, we have an all-volunteer army, let's say. Kinda. It's volunteer when they sign in and, and raise their hand. It's not volunteer after that. They can't, you know, three or four months later go, you know, guys, not really working out for me. No, you are, you are a bond servant for the length of your enlistment. That's kind of the word here. I have locked myself in. I have no other options. As Peter said to Jesus when he said, are you gonna leave me? Where would we go? Kind of like Mrs. Noah. I've often wondered why we don't have her name. But she's, you know, can you see her on day 30 saying, I hate the stink of the animals. I hate the bumping back and forth and the walls are all sticky with pitch. There's not enough natural light. I don't have an open concept kitchen or anything in here. That's it, I'm leaving where are you going to go? Paul was Mrs. Noah. All right. Called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son as to who would, as to who, let's do that again, regarding his son who as to his earthly life, I can read English, was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And thank goodness the NIV puts a period there so you can take a breath, but Paul didn't have periods. There weren't, Paul, there weren't punctuation marks at the time. And that sentence really goes, it's one sentence. It goes all the way through verse six. It is not the longest sentence Paul will have in the book of Romans. Paul never had a class and run on sentences. So he ran on. And so you have to take breaths every now and then. 
This is gospel. This is good news. God has promised it. It is a historical fact. He has woven his story in with ours all the way through David and all the way up to Christ. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles. In other words, guys, come on in. The water's fine. It's been a Jewish party. Still a Jewish party. But now you get to come in too. And Jews and Gentiles are all God's creatures. They always have been his creatures, but now there's a door open for the Gentiles to walk in fellowship with God in a way that only the Jews had before. The Jews are not being replaced. They're not being kicked out. We're just bringing more in. And you are also among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we go. He's never been there to visit them and he says, I thank God concerning all that, you know, your faith is reported all over the world. Uh, how it's just amazing. Uh, you know, in my prayers at all times, I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Now this is being recorded a full month before you see it. Again, we do that because life is variable and I could be ill or I could have to go care for a, an ailing member of my family or I might be um, having to travel and not having access to, to Wi-Fi. So we always want to make sure you have your at least your, your three videos a week because we end the podcast because we really, really care about you. You're very dear to us. So this news I'm going to tell you is way out of date, but I've been quite tired. <laughs> you know, when you have a worldwide church, it never stops. It's a 24 seven thing. And it is not unusual for me to answer 40 to 50 emails a day. And many of them are very long involved. You know, it's about crises in people's family, crises in their faith, or it's a theological question, or it's a, you know, with all the vaccination stuff, we've had that as well. And some of these emails have to go to pages and pages. Sometimes I just can't do it and I'm tired. Well, I'm working via phone and video at this time. And as soon as COVID restrictions are lifted, I'll be in person at the Louisiana State Prison on death row. And one inmate there in particular, uh, I'm his spiritual advisor and he is very, very important to me. And he called me on Sunday and he always, always starts the phone conversation before you can even say hello. Because he's watching the, the phone and it's counting off to whether I accept the call or not. Because they always have to read you the conditions. As soon as I accept it, Bobby goes, hello there, man of God. And I, I say, Bobby, how are you doing? He'll always go, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Well, on Sunday, he heard the fatigue in my voice. He called me back Tuesday evening. He doesn't normally call me on a Tuesday evening, but I take his call and he goes, brother, I, I just, I said, Bobby, what's going on in your life right now? And he said, brother, I just called to pray for you. He said, I want, I want to admonish you a little bit here and encourage you. And he read me several passages uh, um, warning me to rest and warning me to take care of myself and the like. Here's a man on death row who's been on death row for 26 years calling to encourage me and tell me God wants me to rest and not work so hard. And then he said, let me just pray over you. And he prayed over me for about the next four or five minutes 
it was, it was the best prayer ever. Wish you could have heard it. My wife did, because I, I have to crank it way up high. To, he, he's an African-American man from Louisiana, and so his accent plus the big fan they've got rolling, it's a very difficult thing for me to, to always understand different people's accents. Uh, I watch television with closed captions on. Now, I don't have a hearing issue. I just have a comprehending issue. Uh, so it, it, anyway, I don't have, <laughs> don't have that with Bobby. I think of Bobby when I think of, here's a guy we've never physically met yet. We're hoping that happens in the next month. But he remembers, and Paul says, I'm remembering you, Romans. Every day I remember you. Every day I want to be with you. Every day I want to encourage you. And he goes, you know, I, in fact, verse 13, he says, I, I want you to know I've been trying a long time to get to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now. He's not headed to Rome at this stage. He will be as a prisoner. Um, that's still in the future. But he's now coming to them via letter. By the way, this letter would have been brought by Phoebe. The only person called a deacon in scripture is a woman, Phoebe. And the word used there, uh, whenever he talks about her bringing the letter over, that's not till the end of the book, spoiler alert, uh, indicates that she was the one who stood and read it to the church. Yeah, women did a lot more before, well, We've talked about that on Monday morning messages, haven't we? All right. He says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That, that's a very Jewish thing, and the Jews in Rome would immediately understand it. Uh, I, I cannot quote it to you. It's a rather lengthy thing, but the Jewish wise people have a phrase that say, you can learn from everybody you meet, and you should. You should learn from the poor how to be humble, from the rich how to be industrious, from the generous how to be a giver, from the careful or the stingy on the, the follies of being so. No matter, you know, old, young, whatever, you must learn from every person you meet. And so when Paul says, I'm obligated both to Jews and Gentiles, they get that. They immediately know, they'll think of this, they're on track. He goes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, even as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. By the way, that righteousness that is by faith from first to last, if you really, um, if you really look at the words there in the Greek, and again, I don't read Greek, I, I have people who read Greek and I work with them. It says, by faith, from faith to faith. In other words, it's almost like he's saying the gospel is revealed, the righteousness of God is revealed by this person having faith, bringing that faith to another person. They have faith, they bring it to another person. Where we are turning the world into heaven one person at a time, spreading heaven. Whereas the world wants to give people hell, we want to give them heaven. So that's what we do. By the way, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Man, did that one get slammed at us growing up. 
And we were always told that the Russians were coming and eventually somebody's going to put a gun to our head and say, do you believe in Jesus? And you better not be ashamed of the gospel. You know, we're seven and we're going, oh no, uh, or we're 16. And, and we really just came to the youth rally because we heard there might be girls. Now we're being talked about being killed. You know, are you ashamed? And they would say, if it was illegal to come to church, would you still come? And then the sermon on Sunday would say, the building isn't the church, the people are. And we're going, it's, it's not easy to, to think in some arenas. It's also not welcome to think in some arenas. Our safe harbor is a safe harbor. Thinking is allowed. The wrath, and all that means is we are serving a God that the world sees as a weak, crucified God. Yes, resurrected from the dead, but he let people kill him first. That was almost fatal to working with the northern tribes, the Nordic people of Europe, because all of their gods, like most of gods of any group, warlike, full of blood and thunder. You know, the people in Norway, Sweden, Finland, Iceland, all those areas, they could not imagine, let's say, Thor or Loki or any of those being allowing somebody to kill them <clears throat> just because you love them so much. And so <clears throat> that was looked down upon. So he said, don't be ashamed of that. Let me tell you how to present it. That'll be the book of Romans. <clears throat> I thought I was done with that for the day. <clears throat> Do apologize. We're 25 minutes in, so I'm not going to stop and go redo this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. If you're thinking this is <clears throat> overly optimistic, that this is Paul saying, hey, you can see the end times. No. He's saying what we should say. Look around. How's that adultery working out for you? How's that addiction to parties, drugs, alcohol? <clears throat> How's that addiction to politics? How's that addiction to outrage? How are, how's living like the world working out for you? And the truth is, it's not, it's not working out at all. It's miserable. He's saying, open your eyes. And in fact, Romans 1 is an open your eyes chapter. Open your eyes, look around, you don't have to wonder where God is because you can see where he isn't and what is happening. When people choose to make a godless decision, what is the effect? It's pretty profound, actually. And if you work with, if you have children at home, that's a wonderful thing to start them working on. You know, you watch a television program with a family that's always in crisis a team that's always in crisis or a unit or whatever and notice the complete absence of god that bothered me as a boy when i would watch shows like the flintstones or the old reruns uh, it was gone long before i was aware there was one so they brought it back reruns of i love lucy shows and all that all of their iterations and i kept going you know fred could have just told the truth and this would have been a lot better Lucy could have just gone along and done the right thing. And I didn't quite understand the comedy, but what I did see was nobody checked Jesus to see what the right thing to do would be. And that would have ended all the tragedy. 
it's hard <clears throat> to be a thinker. This is one, <clears throat> I want to get to this and then we'll, we'll shut it down so I can clear my throat and get ready for my trip, which I'm taking. Um, and, and again, by the time you get this, I'll be well back. In fact, by the time you get this, I'll be moving on to another trip. Uh, maybe Bobby Hampton's going to have to call me from Louisiana State Prison and tell me slow down again. I love this bit. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, this world, because God has made it plain to them. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Yes, Paul is making an argument from design for God. I would also say he's making an argument from the flow of history, both personal, uh, familial, tribal, national, and world history. For although they knew God, we'll, we'll get back to that, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal being and birds and animals and reptiles. Well, obviously here in the last bit, he's talking about idols, but he's, he will go on to talk about how we see God. They see God. You might say, how? And we lived in the Rocky Mountains, the sunsets were spectacular. And often people would say, who could see this and not believe in God? And I would always go, well, it's an upsweep of, upsweep of dust into the atmosphere and it's refracting the light of the sun going down. That's how they'd explain it. So no, I'm not talking about seeing God in that. I'm talking about how reliable physics is, how reliable cause and effect is. Isaac Newton said that scientists were not discovering anything new. All they were doing was following God's tracks. In other words, we see there's order. We see there's design. We see there's cause and effect. Or as Isaac Newton would put it, action and reaction, equal and opposite reaction. We see the design, we see how things work, and then we just claim, you know, something, something blew up once and now we have pandas, that's it, that's our story. And there is no God, but we should all shut down the factory because it might hurt this bird. I'm all for saving the bird. I'm a huge bird fan. Birds and dogs are my favorite. But um, whenever you elevate a creation over the creator, you've got some issues. And if you elevate the creation over the people he made, it's also a problem. Instead of either or thinking, which for some reason we do, you know, either have the factory and lose that little bird or have the little bird and all these people don't have money and food and can't care for their families. There's gotta be a lot of room in there. And yet people love outrage and running to the edges. Don't be those people. All right, therefore God gave them over that's a bad thing. You do not want God to go, okay, I'll let you go. You go do what you want to do. And he's not being passive aggressive there. He's saying, no, no, really, I won't, I won't help. Just go. Have a taste. He gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. In Rome, everybody at that point would have been looking out the window, either at the nearest temple 
or at the residence of the emperor because the, every emperor of Rome was sexually evil, degraded, perverted, everyone. And because they worshiped emperors as gods after a while, when that's not how it started, then um, the people did the same. He's saying, you're degrading yourself. How many young women who um, decided to get a few, month, a few dollars by stripping or going into pornography, we're not talking about this, those sexually trafficked, we're not talking about the drug addicted here, we're talking about those who just thought, you know, I like sex and I got a pretty body. How many of them who later tried to go into legitimate film or legitimate music or legitimate anything were haunted because those pictures will never ever be gone. The internet is forever. We have seen instances recently where one actress, and I don't know, she may be an ex-actress, ex I really don't follow the career. Her name, um, I think her name was Brandy Love wanted to become active in conservative politics and the conservative group that was meeting at a convention somewhere wouldn't even let her attend because no 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 well we see we see things like that we see that and he's going we know this the fruit of this is not good nobody's proud of this long term i'm sure there's somebody out there you know what i mean they exchanged the truth about god for a lie they bought the lie what is the lie? It's, it's the original lie, a lie. If you eat this fruit, you will know what is good and evil and you get to decide what is good and evil. You don't have to listen to God anymore. You become your own gods deciding good and evil. What is our, what is our culture teaching, saying and insisting upon that we believe the lie? Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received them in themselves the due penalty of their error. Um, and we have, to, we have to have a few words about this, but we're not gonna do a lot about this. This was not neither, nothing in here is about committed relationships between two people who love each other that have the same sex. That's another issue, and it still is an issue that would need to be discussed and talked about in light of God's Word. In this context, it is talking about the abuse. Um, there, there, were, there were sexual attack squads of men who attacked young men, uh, to the point where if you had the money and you had a good-looking son, you had a bodyguard for the son as he went about school, shop, whatever. It was a, it was a horrible, horrible time to live. So he, Paul's just saying, Rome, you believers in Rome, look out there. That's what you get if you don't have Jesus. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, I, mean, I got a tweet here a couple days ago that says, listen, I'm just so happy to you for believing in your sugar daddy in the sky, but I don't. Okay. There might have been better ways to phrase that. Another one, very popular, 
that's in the Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins group, who talked about those during Hurricane Katrina that drowned while calling upon their imaginary friend in the sky. Mm. Didn't think it was worthwhile. So God gave them over. Okay, do what you want. To a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. Gossips in there? Yeah. Slanderers. God-haters. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. You know, we have science. We don't need to... I'm going to tell you something. I love science. I read science. I teach science. Um, I get excited about science. But knowledge is a circle. The more we learn, the more the circle verges on the unknown. And smart people accept that. And we can say this is what we think we know now. But it's going to change as the circle enlarges and we realize how much we don't know. All right? Don't be arrogant about this. And boastful, they invent ways of doing evil. You know, a lot of criminals, there, there are almost no criminal masterminds. Almost all of those are just evil corporate giants or political giants. The evil masterminds you see on television running off crime, that's not where most crime comes from. But it is amazing how inventive people get so that they can do evil. You know, when I was uh, burgled and my hotel room was broken into, they used a clone card. These cards are made electronically. They had to have a lot of work and thought into inventing a way to get into that room. What if they put that into legitimate work? That would be better. But these people, they invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. <laughs> it's right in there. Right among the murderers and the whatevers. They, they have no understanding, no fidelity. Fidelity is another word for faithfulness to each other and faithfulness to a concept and to a social contract, if you want that term, but more to concept, or rather, um, more to concepts, moralities, that sort of thing. No love, no mercy. Have you, ever, have you seen a lot of mercy on Twitter? Do you see much murder, uh, or rather mercy, you see murder. Do you see much mercy in Facebook? Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things, sadly, sadly, I've had that passage, that phrase read, and people run right up there and then grab the ones about being uh, sexual attackers and abusers in verses 26 and 27, skipping right over the gossips, the um, no love, skip all over that. It's a package. It's all one big stew of evil. They know that God's righteous decree, that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do those very things, but here's the kicker. They approve of those who practice them. I'm going to leave you with this. They approve of those who practice them. Now, I, I, I cannot envision me ever murdering someone. I don't even know how that could happen. I don't know how I could ever become a, a God-hater. Um, but what happens whenever we spend our money to go watch 
murder and God-hating and sexual depravity. What happens when we, we back up a comedian who's anti-God, approving of those who practice such things? We don't have to walk around going, I disapprove. He's asking for there to be a separation in our choice of behavior and life. I have nothing against any politician or any Hollywood star or any media figure, nothing. I just choose not to follow them. There is a light that guides me, but it is not a star that can be found in Hollywood or London or you know, Calcutta or any of the other movie places of the world. No. Let's be really careful that not only do we not do certain things, and yes, this is a very negative phrasing, but that we don't, we don't support those who do, willingly. You know, I have no idea when I buy bread what Kroger does with that money. So no, we're not, don't get down to that level. It's impossible. We're talking about openly choosing to support someone who does those things and then be entertained by those things. So remember this, the Bible says, everything you can know about God, you can know by watching creation and keeping your eyes open. Keep your eyes open and your heart open. We'll see you next time. Bye.